It's that time of the week. It's the time you've all been waiting for. It's time for What's Your Point? With hosts Kevin Jenkins, Marco Fredo, and me, Eric Holdo. This is the show where we talk about, you know, you don't like Marco? This is the show where we talk about politics, sports, and anything else you'd like to talk about. And if you're here at Cutter Cigar Emporium with us, make sure you step up to the microphone and express your point. All points are welcome. And now, without further ado, it's What's Your Point? Hello, everyone. It's that time of the week as Chef Eric so eloquently posted. And the reason I use the chef today, because this weekend we were, I want to do a big shout out to the uh, Produce Marketing Association show, which was this week, this last weekend in Atlanta. We were there for uh, from Friday till Monday, and uh, we actually performed on Saturday and Sunday. And I got to tell you, it was it was really rough on Saturday because uh, Miss America, the new reigning Miss America, was with us for the whole day. The one from here, yes, from Warner from Robins. Yeah. And uh, uh, I got to say, there's something distinctive about. A Miss America. <clears throat> there are several attributes that stand out, and to me, <laughs> I can name a few. Yeah, but to me, and Eric, you and I got to spend a lot of time with her, and uh, yeah, although my time was um, minimized for some reason because well, you you were uh, drooling. I mean, speaking to her most of the time. I was I was working. Dealing with a kitchen that was inoperable. But that's okay. We worked through. Yep. Uh, you worked through the problems. I. Uh, I fortunately picked up the slack and spent a little more time with Miss America, which, you know, it's what you have to you do know. sometimes. You take one for the team. Yeah. And uh, she's 21 years old. And everything you saw on TV, I don't think it showed on TV, even in HD, what she looks like in real person. And the thing that really dis- I was distraught about was because when you see someone that's that beautiful, you just say, man, she's got to be a hag. You know, she's got to be mean, nasty. This gal was as kind, as, as, as wonderful a human being as you could possibly want, which is really disgusting because there was really nothing you could find wrong with the girl. She's extremely intelligent. Chef Eric was very thrilled because for her talent piece, she sang opera. Now, when you're standing before hundreds of millions of people around the world watching this, and I said, well, in one of the interviews we did during our downtime, I wanted people to get to know her a little bit better. I said, when you chose opera, of all the things, she, I said, was there a pushback on you? And she goes, oh, yeah. Nobody on my team wanted me to sing opera. But she said, I told them, look, I want to move people with my music. If that can't get it done, then I don't deserve to be Miss America. She went ahead and did it. And subsequently, I read all of the comments from the judges afterwards. Why did you choose her? And they said that piece that she sang, because all the all the judges are told, you got to keep a straight face. You can show no emotion, so that nobody has any idea what you're thinking. She belts out this aria that was just she. All of them, all of them said we had goosebumps, we had tears in her eyes. She really ripped it, ripped at our heartstrings like nobody else has ever done. And they even had uh, some, you know, a, a, a singer. That was on there, and they said she just blew him away. And she goes, that's what I'd hope for. And obviously that, that helped push me over. But, I mean, when you sit and talk with her, and every single person that came up to get her picture, you know, get a picture taken with her, not me. Cause not, you yeah, know, you I, didn't take any pictures with her. Right. Well, depends on what the word any means. <laughs> you know, if, if any is 10 or under, 
Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I, I happen to have a few. She had some time, you know, between. But every single person that came up to her, when they walked away, they said, man, she is really nice. And then when the crowds weren't around and we had a chance to really sit down and talk with her, she was just like a girl. She was from a farm, 700-acre farm outside Warner Robins, small-town girl, and she got comfortable with us. And it was just like talking to your someone you'd expect from the country in, in Warner Robins. And then when it's time, she was Miss America. And what was interesting was Miss America cannot be engaged. She cannot be married. And her contract is for 340 days out of 365 she is on the road. That's her commitment. And uh, so she showed me a picture of her boyfriend. I don't know why she had to show me the picture of the boyfriend, but at dinner she showed this guy is a SWAT team member of the sheriff's department down where they live. This guy looks like... He is the meanest, toughest. I mean, he had muscles on top of muscles, and he's sitting on the end of the picture she had sitting on the end of a workout bench. And, I mean, there were, there, were, there were cuts and things I didn't even know existed on the human body. And she goes, but you know what's really nice? He's a really nice guy. And I said, oh, really? And she goes, yes. In fact, he's getting a dog, a teacup. Now, here's this guy who's brutally huge. Looks like he could rip your arm off and beat you to death with it. He's got a little teacup because she said, I'm going to be gone so much. He wanted something to. I said, well, let's see. You were the teacup. You were the teacup. Well, you know, I... she goes, well, for 340 days, it's the teacup. <laughs> so He's not allowed to travel with her, I guess. No, 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 no. Well, he and, probably has to work, too. And the gal that's with her from the, from the uh, Miss America organization, let me tell you something. You can't photograph her while she's chewing. She cannot chew and eat and pretty much in public you can't have anything uh you you can't have people were asking her hey would you hold this up and get a picture taken no that's promoting so this gal was just nope 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 and this gal was just amazing so her name is betty and uh miss america you truly epitomize the very best of uh of american women just totally smoking hot totally beautiful personality and unfortunately, nothing to not like about her. And that, that was Why distressing. is that unfortunate? It's refreshing. Well, no, it's not. You know, when you see a beautiful baby, you want to say, yeah, but you know what? Who would want her? She's probably, you know. And everything you met about her is like, gee, really? There's nothing I can say bad about you? No, there's not. I could do something, but not as Miss America. I said, okay, I get it. So I like everybody else, every other slob that went up there and got their picture taken with her numerous times. <clears throat> Um, it was just, it was, it was a great experience and congratulations to Schumann Produce. They are the, they're really the leader in, uh, Vidalia and Peruvian sweet onions. And, and I know to the vast majority of people in the country, they, and around the world that hear this show, they probably don't think that's a big deal, but in Georgia, the Vidalia onion is the official vegetable of the state and, uh, got a chance to sit down and meet the, uh, uh, Mr. Black. He's the commissioner of agriculture who did a tremendous job in helping um, in really helping the Vidalia onion be protected. And there was a big lawsuit that happened last year, and he won it. And it was all about defending the product and, the, and everything else. So he's going to actually be a guest on our show in an upcoming Chef and the Fat Man. And uh, might even, if I could talk him into coming down here, I think it'd be very interesting because it, it brings up another. And then off that topic, let's talk about the other big current thing sports-wise. Of course, was the World Series last night. And... Uh, Greek, 
Shock, people said you stayed up that late. Heck, you're just beginning to roll at 1.30 in the uh, morning. Yeah, my, my sleep patterns are notoriously poor, but it was uh, <laughs> it was a 15-inning game, and uh, it was one with a, a pop fly in the bottom of the 15th. And uh, we were talking before the show. What one of I would say one of the mo- more exciting games of the last 35, 40 years. I uh, can't think back that far. Um, um, you could go back to to the Braves in '91. Those games, Game Seven particularly, uh, the uh, Dodgers series in '88. Um, but really, hard. you know that much? You, you are the Greek. You I, would I, know. I, well, I, the, it was the last time the Dodgers went to the World Series, so I can remember that pretty well. I'm sure, Eric can too. Um, yep. You were in college at the time. I was, yeah. Please. I was a Dodger fan back then. <laughs> Are you like Eric at Smoky Falls? Oh, well, I like the Redskins, but I live in Carolina, so I also like the Panthers, and I like the Falcons. I said, well, listen, yeah. so every so every week – you know, you're going to win. You, chances are you're going to win one game. Look, I didn't play on any of these teams, right? Right. So, therefore, my I have no obligation to choose just one team. Well, to, plus, to the favorite. makeup of teams change now so often. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like it was when we were kids and the guy played his whole career at one team. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of certain players. That's uh, you know, I, I like. I mean, I'm a diehard Saints fan, but I like, Peyton, I love Peyton Manning. Give me uh, Witten and J.J. Uh, Watt and yeah. You know, these guys, well, you know, I maybe I uh, maybe I don't really know any running backs that I would say are my favorites. Matt Castle wouldn't be one of those guys you meant. You, you left him off the list. Yeah, did I? <laughs> was, that, was that by pure accident? I was I was begging for Whedon to come back. You know, well, when is Romo? Is Romo going to be back by the Thanksgiving game? God, I hope so. I, I think he should. I, I I think he's only got maybe another three or four weeks to go. It's a collarbone, right? So yeah. That doesn't take more than, at the most, six, six to eight weeks. No, and that's right by my birthday. So if he wants to give me a birthday present, that would be nice. Get healthy. And that division's but, wide open right now. Hey, you know, Des Bryant, he's play, yeah. he was he was working out today on the field, that's on the practice good, that, field. That's a good sign. That's a huge sign. Yeah. So he may, I don't know if he's going to get in this week, but at least he's running, he's working on that foot. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, we've been on third string, basically, on our defensive line. and, and Oh, gosh. I mean, our, I'm a, our running backs. You're I mean, telling me that as a Saints fan, our whole yeah. our whole defense is we had more wounded warriors. We started the youngest defense in the NFL. And I think we started five rookies and two that were within – only been in the league for two or three years. That's why they, they were horrible. But now as they're starting to get better, because you guys know, and Eric, you played – Greek, you know from following sports as much as you do, that it takes a few weeks for these for these young people to to kind of get a grasp of the defense. I mean, Devlin Bro, which everybody was really excited about, his first game he had nine penalties on him for uh, you know roughing up a, a receiver. So they just kept throwing it to him, and he kept mugging him, you know. And he was because it was his first game; he wasn't even supposed to start, but there was an injury he had to play. Well, it's nice when you don't have to actually catch the ball in order to uh, <laughs> to get the yardage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, they just started throwing it at Devlin Bro for the first couple of games, and then he started picking up a little bit, and then less and less. And then with the Falcons, he had Julio Jones for six for six attempts, and Julio only caught two for less than uh, for a very small yardage on Devlin Bro. So now he's coming into fruition a little bit. And I, I told all the Saints fans, I said, just hang in there, just deal with the defense. They're getting better and better every week, and they are, and now they're putting some games together again. Because, you know, first couple of games, man, I mean, it was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and these guys get dog-tired by uh, middle of the third quarter. And then they'd get into the fourth quarter, and they have no gas left, and they get 
they'd get gas. They'd be leading in the first three games or leading in the fourth quarter and lost it. So, hey, you know, uh, you play the Giants speaking, this week. speaking of getting gassy, um, <laughs> oh, I just please. want to make sure everyone knows that uh, you are listening to What's Your Point, and if you want to reach us on Facebook, best way is really Facebook. Hit us up on a message or a post uh, uh, at What's Your Point. Um, but you can tweet us at pointing to you. Um, also, if you're listening to us from the Facebook stream, um, you can go to Mixler, M-I-X-L-R, and also do a search for What's Your Point, and you'll find our show reels, uh, our uh, library of show reels. If you want and, to hear now, shows. and now, officially, uh, this week, we're going to attempt to load everything onto iTunes. So you'll now be able to pick us up on iTunes and Podbean. And I must say, we have a very good-looking crew here today. Some very distinguished-looking gentlemen uh, that are sitting here in our audience today, and and hopefully I'm not, I'm not in the audience. That's why I said we have a we have a an umpire, and I asked him about the you know going back to the baseball. I asked him. I said, of course, he was watching the umpires, and he said there were only four or five. We're talking about Super K. I know his name starts with a C, but I like Special K because Caleb is our. I mean, I love to talk to this guy about officiating. This guy is an umpire's umpire. And he said last night there were only four or five calls in the whole game, and it wasn't until the end where that umpire wasn't spot on. And this is coming from a guy who knows the sport, and he's watching every – I mean, that's pretty amazing. And then we talked about the fact where what they'll do is they shrunk the strike zone a little bit towards the end to get the game moving, you know. And because of that, it made for an exciting game and maybe kept it from going 21 innings. But uh, it was an interesting take from uh, Special K over there on uh, – on umpiring because I'll tell you what, man, this is, it's like refereeing in the Super Bowl, man. That's not the place to make a mistake. <laughs> you know, I mean, the whole world's watching and you can't, you know, during the regular season, instant replay. Now I, you watched the whole game. Did they have any instant replays last night? Oh yeah, did, they didn't. In fact, they overturned, um, they overturned a uh, stolen base. Yeah. Was stolen it a good, base. was it a good call? The ump? They overturned it. They called him safe, and then the the um, replay turned, called him out. They reversed it. To they were, wow! And then, of course, finishing up tag. with finishing up with sports. Uh, congratulations! Our hats off to Georgia Tech. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you you watched it. Give, give, for those who didn't see it, who love college football, even if you don't. Oh, this is just a classic football moment. I mean, uh, very end of the game. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech was hanging in there, tough. And it looked like, uh, you know, Florida State was going to take it from them. At the end. At the end. And uh, kills me. they line up to kick the field goal. Gets blocked. Picked up and run in <laughs> for Georgia Tech. I wonder. Right at time. I think I heard. I don't know what time that was, but I think I heard this large noise coming because we were staying right down next to the convention center. I think you could hear the crowd when that happened. I wondered <laughs> what that was. I thought it was the fact that I was finished with dinner. And I, I thought it was the, uh, the 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 serving staff was thrilled that I finally said enough is enough, but it was uh, Florida State's uh, crowd crying and then the uh, the uh, Georgia Tech fans going wild because really nobody gave Georgia Tech a chance in that game they really no. didn't. But what are the chances that on back to back weeks two top ten teams can lose on a last play blocked uh, punt and a uh, blocked field goal? Well, how many times yeah, have you heard that? that's true, right? You know, back in the two top tens, I, I could almost believe it if it happened in college football on back-to-back weeks, but it happened to two top ten teams. Well, here's the interesting thing. How you doing, Bobby? Well, that's good. What Now, how many times have coaches, and you know, Eric, I mean, I remember from 
sixth grade <laughs> when I when I played, I was a tackling dummy, and uh, but the coaches would always say, "Look, guys, keep it close, keep it close, keep it close," because you never know what's going to happen. Right, right. And there were a bunch of young men on Georgia Tech's team that are darn glad that they listened to their coach. Well, you know, it's one of those. Uh, it's that it's that concept of of, of quicksand. And sometimes it happens slowly, and sometimes it happens very quickly. And you can see, as a coach or as a player, when things just <clears throat> the wheels start coming off a little bit, uh, you know, from the other side of it, and that other team, their intensity is increasing, and and things are just starting to get sloppy. I, I point to the Dallas Cowboys as an example of how that can frequently happen uh, <laughs> over the years. It seems to be, you know, we're ahead, and then, you know, actually UCLA's done the same thing to me, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just that it's that it's that nightmare of when you just see it start to happen because you know it's happening, and there's almost no way you can do to it. stop it. I mean, once they get their once the mindset has changed and they've lost focus, that's it, right? That's it, and that's what happened to Florida State. I mean, Georgia Tech was still in the game; they were still, and and Florida State was calling it in at that point. And you even said when they blocked the kick. Georgia Tech pick it, picked it up and started running with it. And I lo- it was like the Florida State players were just standing around going, they couldn't yeah. believe what had happened. Yeah, they're, they're looking yeah. like, what? <laughs> and then by the time they realized that he was already coursing downfield and they only had a couple of weak attempts at tackling him. I mean, but that's the beauty of sports. And you know what? That can be equated really into politics because tonight's a big Big night for a lot of people on really? that on that Diaz. What's going on yeah, Well, it just so happens that the Republicans are having their third uh, debate, <clears throat> and uh, you know what? This is this is going to make or break some people. I think tonight. Where do you think? And I'll start with you, Greek. What do you think? Who do you think are the top five that really need to to show themselves? And what do you think the others have to do? Because the first debate is from six to eight, and that's the uh, what do they call it? The cocktail. Cocktail hour debate. <laughs> At this point, I don't even know why they're bothering with that. But you get into the, the top tier guys from, from 8 to 10. Who do you think are the people that really, really need to step up, and what do you think they need to do? Well, I don't know right now that we're still in, we're into a time period where somebody is, is going to be desperate. Um, I, I still think that. At some point, that Trump support is going to continue to decline, and that those those people are going to go elsewhere. So other people are going to pick up some some points. But I think that the 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 ten that are on the main stage in, in general, all ten of them, and as a party, need to come ac- make make the give the impression tonight that they're a party moving forward, and and that they have uh, great ideas, and that it can't be two hours of this constant bashing of the current administration and even the other two uh, democratic candidates it, it, this has to be a night of ideas because they took a they took a beating last week and this is a time for whoever can step up and come up with some ideas and and and, and, and say it in a way that is inspiring to people is going to get the bump but i and, and we'll get back to that because later on we're going to talk about what happened with the benghazi hearings last week of course, not a surprise. You and I have a different take on it, I know. Uh, now, Eric, so you're a candidate. You're in the top tier candidate. Who do you think needs to shine tonight? And tonight it's supposed to be all about the economy. Yeah. So who do you think is going to s- sparkle with the economy? Who do you think needs to sparkle with the economy? And who do you think yep. that if they, if they just do nothing in this debate, 
are the ones that are going to be gone. Well, I think that I think Jeb has to really, really step up. I mean, there's, there's, this is. I think this is his last moment. I heard uh, earlier today that his donors are are getting on him, and um, you know, he's got a lot of people that he's uh, responsible to. Um, I would say, who's going to sparkle? I mean, I can't imagine that Trump won't play well as far as the economy discussion because he's already had his economic policy yeah. which yeah. by many is considered the most extensive yep. of policies he's laid out there and and um I, I think he'll be able to talk about it. i think that carly fiorina needs to uh get another bump here yeah uh but she has the ability to with on that topic i think she's well prepared for it i'm hoping ben carson does well and it really is i, I don't know who's doing his debate prep but this is going to be all about the numbers now I, you know, we know from his style that he's going to be looking down at his notes. But do I have to remind you that Obama looked at his uh, teleprompter, couldn't speak without it? So that's right. Uh, and he managed to get elected. So that's okay. Um, but he's got to be really, really quick with it and uh, and thorough um, in order to keep his position. Um, just one side note: did you did you see Trump's plea with Iowa to get his numbers back up? He was in a in a town hall type uh, you know, meeting or what have you, and he's sitting there. And I would say seven or eight times he's just, "What is going on with the numbers? Why am I behind?" Because you know Carson has pulled ahead of him now in uh, Iowa. Yeah, and so. nationally too, they came out with one poll. Well, yeah, there's two point lead. It's, yeah, yeah. well, well it's, within the margin. It's, yeah. it's all tight within, but but still, I mean, I, I think that he. It, it's funny because he looked like a spoiled brat all of a sudden. You know, that's he, a good point. He yeah. really looked like if he's not winning, he wants to pick up his toys and go home. Which wouldn't surprise me. Which is what we all have been saying he's he's going to be like. Uh, uh, and another one who did that this weekend was Jeb Bush. Yes. Jeb Bush said, you know, I really yeah. don't need this. If this is what they're going to do, then, you know, I, yeah. I, I got a great life without politics. Yeah. I mean, so, this, that's not this, to me. That's not what you say when you're trying to convince people in politics. You can't. No. I mean, I, I've seen people do this in, in private life and business and other things, and it never ends well. Uh, once they get into that mindset where they're feeling like they're being, they're owed something else uh, other than what they're getting, the respect they're getting or whatever it might be. And, and in this case, there's no exception. I think that, um, you know, Trump can be bombastic. Carson just needs to be excited and on point. Fiorina needs to pick it up. Rubio's got to do something. If Rubio's not clear here, I don't know. Uh, I think he, he, he's going to hit a downward spiral. And if Cruz isn't on top of it. Well, uh, he will be. What, I, I, no, go ahead. Well, I agree with you, by the way. I think, I think Cruz is very well prepared for this. This is what he does. The, yeah, this is his thing. So we'll see. But it's got to translate. What? economic topics do you think are the ones that are going to resonate most with the voters because for me it's taxes oh i think taxes is always on foremost in everybody's mind because that's what hits them the hardest more so than jobs yeah, I, I feel i don't he, think so i i think that um, we think that it's taxes and we talk about taxes and the majority of the masses essentially are sitting there saying well, fifty-one percent. I want you to. Pay pay, I want. I want you to pay more taxes because I want you to pay for my stuff. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with my taxes. I get money back. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what that's what most people think, and so I don't. You know, I think that yeah, from for the for the uh, ruling class, for the uh, you know, for the, uh, the millionaires, the millionaires, and billionaires, right? 
um, that that might be a an important aspect. But I I, I just don't think speaking I think, from I think that jobs plateau, is more important. I think yeah. from that plateau that you're already there, yeah. so you're not obviously as concerned. But um, but jobs I think is huge. I think jobs yeah. because. Uh, despite how many people are not looking for jobs right now, that's the that's the number that really scares people. And that's the number that they need to talk about today. They need to drill it into people's minds that this is not – we have not reduced unemployment. And unemployment has increased. Here's the raw numbers. It's just that you can only be on unemployment for so long, and then you're off. And those people that are now off are, fall off of the rolls. They're not considered part of that percentage anymore. So I agree. So we, we're looking for jobs? Yeah. I think we're also looking for a national debt. Oh. How, how, do, how does this relate to the national debt? I mean, we're going to be at $20 trillion by the end of the year uh, in national debt. And, and hopefully, hopefully, somebody decides to say there's a difference between national debt and what the deficit is. And, and I think people are very confused uh, when you talk debt versus deficit and what the differences are. So, well, why don't you why don't you give our, our listeners a little lesson? Um, I'll, I'll be happy to. Um, so the the deficit is essentially the difference between our outgo and our inflow, right? Right. This is so what in we're other words, spending versus what we're we receiving. had seventeen and a half trillion dollars in taxes that came in, right. the highest we've ever received into the IRS. Right. But our spending Has was was eighteen. Point three, so it's like five hundred billion dollars over the budget, and they say, "Well, look how good that number is. Yeah. Look at how good that number is," and they're saying compared to what it was a year or two. So they try to take that number and run with it. But what they don't look at, and I think something that needs to be said, is the two hundred trillion dollars of unfunded liability that this country is under. Because what most people don't know is the only numbers that the government gets to work off of is what the Congress. And the, and the White House gives them. So they play with those numbers horrifically. And so you're not getting near the honesty. And so you, they, they seize that artificial number like the unemployment. Say, look at us. You know, we're 5.1. Okay, well, we aren't anywhere close to 5.1. We're more like 8.5 to 9. But that number doesn't play well. So they seize on that one number. And they take away all the other outliers that are out there saying, wait a minute, that's not it. And I think that's a great point. So I think they need to describe that. I think you're absolutely right. This is, who, this is who I think. Hey, Lou, luscious as always, disgusting. She's like Miss America. And, and by the way, just to, just to continue, it's the national debt, just so everyone un- understands, is what our government essentially borrows from China and other. Uh, Social Security. Uh, <laughs> yeah, any, any unfunded liabilities uh, and uh, the dif- difference between that and you know, what we're actually spending. So th- th- that number keeps growing and growing and growing, and it, it builds on itself, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, the deficit is a little bit of a moment in time. The debt is, a, is an ongoing thing, and it can affect interest rates and things like that over time. So Running out of money. Does it help money. them or hurt them to point out some of the things that were mentioned in the Democratic debate that would add to that debt? Well, if, I think if, you have if to they po- If they're to point out that... Well, I think you have to count up Bernie Sanders' promises. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it, is that an effective thing to do, or does that only tell people, well, we don't want to hear that. We still want our free stuff. We don't really care so much about how much it adds to the debt. I, I think, you, yes, you have to be careful. I think what you have to do is talk about what is the net effect 
of, of doing this, okay? And be so, clear and concise. How correct. is it going to affect each and every one of you out in TV land? Right. So if the debt increases more, interest rates will go up. So that means your house payment is going to go up. Your Car uh, payment. The, the amount of money you spend for milk is going yeah, to go up. Yeah, I was going to say food. Food's going to go up. Gas is going to go up. Um, you know, this try is, to get a loan on a car. That's going to go. And up. When yeah, you it's going to get harder to, to get a loan because the interest rate. You know, as the interest rate goes lo- down, risk. You know, the risk levels change, especially if you've got bad credit or medium, moderate right. credit or whatever. And so all of these things that these that everyone deals with every day, uh, trying to make ends meet, gets harder when the national debt increases. Especially when you consider the fact that since this administration took over, the median income has declined. Correct. Correct. As a matter of fact, uh, I think specifically uh, black uh, household income has declined ten thousand dollars, which uh, is a huge number uh, considering on, on average. That, that's twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. And and are they are they better off? I mean, uh, I, I put I posted something on Facebook on my on my uh, personal page uh, the other day that was um, I forget who was the I'll, I'll find I'll find the, the meme in a second, but it was a pretty pretty. I also think now's a good time of year to uh, mention health care costs yes. as, that, as that pertains to the economics because everybody's starting to get those letters right now. Yeah. Um, yep. Mine went up 38%. 38% for the last quarter of, of 2015. They informed me that my policy is also not going to be offered next year. So if I want to move into a different policy that gives me comprehensive coverage, it will go up again January 1st. <laughs> uh, Gary McKee, who was a longtime disc jockey here in Atlanta, uh, posted his letter from, I believe it was Cigna, and his imp- insurance premiums are going to go up over 120%. And that's real grassroots issues. That's what really hits you in the pocketbook. And, and health care is a huge thing, and, and, you know, that's something that really needs to be addressed. And, you know, it's the responsibility of the candidates, no matter how they frame the question, it's the responsibility of each candidate, Republican or Democrat. It's their responsibility to drive their message home and say, this is what I stand for. This is what it's going to do for each and every one of you in your home, in your car, in your health care, in your this, in your that. You know, they did a statistic where the, the uh, in real dollars that the average income of the American working class has not gone up since 1980 in real dollars. Now, you know, adjusted for inflation, yes, it's gone up. But in real dollars, in real tangible dollars, it hasn't gone up since 1980. And these are things people can say, you know what, yeah, I've had raises, but I'm not getting any more from my, you know, why am I not, I'm getting some small raises, but I'm not seeing anything more in my house. What's up with that? And I think this is what the candidates need to do. That was a very good description, by the way, of the debt and deficit and why that's so critical. Thank you. To me, I think Ben Carson has a chance tonight to really – to really drive a stake home, if he can come off being very communicative, mm-hmm. um, very strong ideas, very very firm ideas following conservative principles, I think if he does that, I think it's going to hurt Donald Trump more than any of them. And certainly... He has to be a little more inspired, though, in that, his delivery. That, that's he it. has to be, at some point, whether you want to admit it or not... A, a candidate has to be somewhat of a, of a showman or somewhat of, of a uh, just kind of project the, the, the image of leadership in a positive uh, firm in a, way. In a, in a, yeah. Well, you know, but I, I think that 
I think that uh, Carson has a certain amount of gravitas with his delivery that uh, I'm not going to say it's Reagan, but Reagan in his early days was much, he, he was sort of very toned down. Um, he was passionate, but, but, yeah. but, but, but but he didn't. He wasn't he didn't, bombastic, wasn't yelling passion, at people right. and things like that. And 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 Carson's you know a level below that, and obviously, but but it's it's okay, I think, to be reasonable, level-headed, because really, right now, I think we're looking for someone who is level-headed. And that's why yeah, I think. But we have to have somebody that that also is projecting the greatness of America, and that's something that Trump has has really latched onto, and 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 talked about things in an inspirational way. And Reagan did that. But I, but I think Carson's been doing that as well. In some of his, uh, I've seen some of his, uh, you know, stump speeches, and he's done it very well. I think. Do you think religion is going to be an issue with him tonight, or is that going to just be something that? They I, I don't think so. I don't think. I, think I, 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 I don't really think he needs that point right now. I think there's there's no question that certain candidates are very founded in their religion, and I think those who who vote along religious lines, they know who their candidates are. Now it's winnowing them out. I think Cruz has done a very good job of that. I think um, Carson has done a very good job of that. Those are the two that I can think of that most hit that chord. And I think tonight is not a night to pound on that even further. I yeah. think they need to get their ideas across. They need to they need to firm it up. And I'll tell you what, I, and, and I think that you'll see. Oh, by the way, you are listening to What's Your Point. We are live at Cutter Cigar Emporium right here on Alpharetta, Georgia. When we started out today, it was 60 degrees, overcast, rainy. It's been that way for three days. And all of a sudden, when we show up, the sun starts to come out. The temperature starts to rise. <laughs> Could this be a religious experience? The clouds yes. Part, yeah. the, the clouds part, mainly because Chef Eric's here today. You know? well, that's Eric's true. Here. Yeah, well, yeah. I, well, I thought you were going to throw that in for yourself, but you waited for me to, 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 to prompt to, it. Well, to prompt it. Good. Yeah, that's very nice. But. Um, Anyway, Cutter Cigar Emporium, which is uh, your portal to the world, a world of great times, a world of great friends you have yet to meet, great selections. It's just an outstanding place to be. And uh, But getting back to it, so I think I think Kasich has already, he came out yesterday and said, look, it's time to take the gloves off. I've been too nice. I've been laid back too much. So I think Kasich has already signaled that he's coming in with guns blazing because Kasich right now, He's on the bubble of dropping out. I mean, he hasn't caught fire okay. with anybody. Kasich, come on. From the very beginning, you're, like, you're looking at this guy going, are you really still around? Uh, I mean, he's, he needs he's to He's a favorite of the liberals, though. Yes, he is. And uh, it, it concerns me because that's what McCain was in, in 2008, <laughs> and he wound up getting the nomination. Yeah. It depends on how, you know, it depends on how the media is going to portray these guys heading, in, heading the into line. January and February. <laughs> By, uh, by the way, let me let me interrupt one quick second here. We'll let you get back to your point. But um, um, Kevin just mentioned where Cutter Cigar Emporium. Let me give you an address: uh, fifty-five thirty Windward Parkway, Suite two hundred. It's right on Windward Parkway at basically four hundred, just west of uh, the exit on the north side of the street. Seven seven zero six four zero zero five five zero. Okay. And magnificent Ben is here today, and uh, luscious Lou is here today, and the usual cast of miscreants are here today <laughs> headed of course by our favorite miscreant bobby who's sitting over there trying to act like he's like he's holdo-esque but he's just not pulling it off I, I don't know what it is but big ben are you out of here big ben okay you know this is the kind of guy big ben is he gets hit on the way into work today right he gets, he gets hit. Hit. yeah his car gets hit, hit right car? oh 
Yeah, uh, and, and guess what? Man. He he shows up, man, opens the doors. He's ready to. He's still it, smiling. Yep. He's always smiling. Yeah. Always it wasn't that. your fault then. Uh, yeah. It was his fault, yeah. <laughs> well, it's easier to smile when it's not your fault. But uh, still the great thing. Low. The great thing about Ben and all the staff that works here is they always have a positive attitude when you walk in here. You always feel like, you know, and, and Ben is kind of like Miss America. You know, he's got that great look. That's and you want to look at things that you could hate ben, about ben the man. Ben is actually nothing like right. Miss America. Well, Although I think you're the same height. You're about the same height as Miss yes. America. But, <laughs> but the thing is, you're right. He's always smiling. He's had his car hit. I would not be a happy camper today, but Ben, you know what? You're just generally not. Related. He's just a what? What? No, nothing. Yeah, it was something there. I, 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 I you know, excuse us while the uh, oops, bus rolled back over. Recording failed. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, no, it's so. I think this is a big night tonight. Now, I don't know that it'll be a game changer for many, but I think it can. You know, if Trump comes through this strong, uh, I think you're going to start seeing him go up again. Because he's been kind of laying, you know, he's been kind of standing around in the where he was before, lost a little bit, and the, the kind of the polish is a little bit off the apple, shall we say? Yeah, quite a bit. And so if he comes back strong tonight, um, you know, so I think Carson, Carson, and and uh, I agree, Carson, Fiorina, and and Cruz. But this is once again one of those things. In two hours, you got ten people, so they're going to have to pull the microphone away sometimes they're going to have to yeah. because you can't possibly in two minutes or one minute give your economic well, policies that's and, why i yeah. don't think you've seen a tremendous shift in, in the second uh you know in in sixth through tenth in terms of their numbers they're just not getting enough time to really talk to people about and, and at some point i think you're going to have to cut it back well that's all that's always the issue though isn't it i mean if you're not if you're not out there and if 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 they say any uh, any PR is good PR. Uh, that's really the truth because otherwise, if nothing is happening, no one's going to notice you. Um, and tonight, some people have to get noticed. And I think Jeb Bush is one definitely. So it'll be interesting to see. What I don't want to see happen is that certain individuals seize the microphone and then bash the other person immeasurably just to get the, the right to respond back and then get into all that, you know, all that nonsense, and then you really don't get there. So yeah. it's really going to be. need to remember the 11th commandment. Right. Yep. You're right. If you're going to bash anybody, you bash the opposition. Right. You don't bash each other. But I think Kasich has already said he's coming out guns swinging. You know that Trump's going to because he's seen the numbers. Well, he's just, he's just the. F- Chris Christie, too. Chris, well, Chris Christie doesn't have any problem getting confrontational. I mean, that's his style. <laughs> so he'll. He'll seize that mantle. But there's a lot of guys. I mean, Kasich. I mean, listen, the bottom tier guys, how many times are they going to be allowed to hang around? Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I just said. I, it, it, at some point, if you're going to have a meaningful debate, you're going right. to have to cut it to a half dozen guys and, and possibly a woman. I didn't mean to leave her. Right, you know, right. I say guys, it's general. I don't want to be no cards and letters about, you know. <laughs> All right. Now, here's a question for you. If we were to decide today, because, you know, it's – with with Biden making his big announcement last week, um, which I'll tell you what I got to give Joe Biden some cred. I do, you know. I laugh about the guy. Everybody that knows the guy laughs about him. And yes, he's got a very dark side about him. We saw it in the Supreme Court nominations when he was all up on Bork and and uh, and uh, another Supreme Court justice that he was trying to get. He was trying, and he was he was as vicious as a as a pit bull. But he came out and made a comment. He said, you know, let me clear something up in his speech when he said, I'm not going to accept, you know, I'm not going to run. 
he said, listen, I also want to dispel this, this story that's going around about my son and I. You know, on his deathbed, my son never did say, Dad, last words weren't, hey, Dad. You got to run. Because that's what's been out there for quite a while. Yeah. And it really, and he said, no, it wasn't anything like that. He said, let me tell you something. My son wanted me to run for president. He's always wanted me to run for president. He's all, He was always very, very supportive. But he didn't, on his deathbed, say, Dad, you know, win one for the Gipper. You know, it wasn't like that. So he said, I just, I just want to want to get that dispelled and i give him a lot of credit for that because he didn't have to say anything he didn't have he could let that that story continue on but he didn't and i and i give him a lot of credibility for that you know congratulations to joe biden i think he did the right thing by doing that so uh he did say also i like hillary but that does not mean that we have disagreements which in political talk means he's probably going to come out and say some things and I think he will affect. I think what Biden would like to do is I think he would like to have an effect. Since he's not running, I think he wants to to be part of the coronation of the next president, whichever one he decides in his heart of heart it should be. And I got to tell you guys, I do not believe that in his heart of hearts, Joe Biden wants Hillary. I just he don't. might not in his heart of hearts, but I, I don't think you're going to see somebody that is part of the administration come out against somebody who was part of the administration. I, I think they'll close ranks and ultimately support her. Well, they all will. And I, I don't mean that they'll ultimately support her before the convention. I think they're going to support her well in advance. Well, I don't think this election is, or at least in, on, on the Democratic side, is going to be as close as, as people think with Bernie Sanders. I think it's going to be a pretty clear victory for Hillary. Uh, Bernie might Bernie might win New Hampshire because it's right next door. Yeah. But I, I don't see uh, him once they get into some of the larger primary states. Well, you know, she did get a little bump after Benghazi, and everyone said, wait a minute, wait a minute, look at that. The Benghazi thing was all about her. She won it hands down. But then a couple of pundits said, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you look at her bump, it wasn't that significant, first of all. And if you look at how many, you know, with O'Malley dropping out and with Biden not announcing, that probably did more for her than anything the Benghazi hearing did. And I think the Benghazi hearing, if nothing else, as we segue very cleverly, see how I, how I slid that in there? I think very cleverly, um, when I slide it in there, I think what happened with Benghazi, I think a lot of things were brought up that people didn't know. Um, our, you and I and people who are really into politics would find, whoa, there was some serious issues there. But the general public, they didn't care about the Benghazi mm-hmm. thing, and all they're going to do is listen to the media. And the media, by her showing up, and you mentioned it, Eric, you've mentioned in the past, by her showing up, she wins automatically. And if she didn't have an, an explosive moment, which she didn't have to, because in the areas where they caught her, she just said, well, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. So everybody goes, well, okay. Well, see, that's an answer. I didn't know. I mean, I think some of the things that came up that really bothered me was, you know, this, and, and, and I give credit to the, to the committee for saying this. They said, look, you received all these emails from from uh, Sidney Blumenthal, and Sidney Blumenthal was not. They she wanted to hire Sidney Blumenthal in the State Department, and the president came out and said, "No, I don't want the guy in here. I don't want anything to do with him." So what did she do? She did what the president does. I don't care what you say, the American people. I'm going to do it right. anyway. So what she did was she gave Sidney Blumenthal her private emails, and he was giving her 
almost daily at sometimes updates about what's going on. Here's what's happening. And her ambassador never had her email. So here's the ambassador in a country as turbulent as Libya. And she admitted, oh, yes, it was a very turbulent place. We knew there were going to be a lot of issues. So the ambassador doesn't have the email to the secretary of state. And then it goes so far as she goes, well, I didn't hear of any issues. So, you know, you're talking about this. Well, Madam Secretary, (laughs) we have 600 emails over a year saying, hey, this is really a tough place, man. We need a lot more security. And she said, well, I didn't know. But they didn't follow that up with any type of a logical comeback, which is what I think would resonate with more people. Well, Something they did. very simple. He, but they got no. They, but they, they they get bogged down in the details instead of yeah. making it very very simple. You're the Secretary of State. It's a volatile place. You get 600 emails, and you say you didn't know. Explain to us why you wouldn't. Know. And she did, and they did. And you know what she turned and said? Well, that's why I have staff. That's their responsibility, and that's how she handled it. And he said, so you're telling me that 600 emails begging for help, you had no idea. And she goes, well, you got to understand, Secretary of State has so many more responsibilities than just one ambassador in one country. I have hundreds of ambassadors around the world, and I don't have time, so we have a staff that does that. And then he follows up and said, so in other words, four people died because of that, and you're telling me you didn't know, but you didn't fire anybody. And her response to that was, well, you know what? We really didn't have a chance. It all happened so fast, and there were so many different things going on at the time. We really didn't have time to sit there and point fingers but and say what was your fault. And that was her you answer. You don't give her the opportunity to come out and make that type of, a, of an explanation. You, you, you put her on the defensive by saying, no, in a leadership role, in a volatile part of the country, and you have 200 ambassadors, but let's face it, Luxembourg is not a powder keg. <laughs> yeah. So Japan. What you're saying uh, is, as a leader, you were not able to prioritize yep. where the critical places were. And yep. that's and, 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 I mean, and you make had her to defend watch. something like that. Well, she and, and they did, and that's why I'm saying why the media was saying she was so good was because every time they they nailed it down and they and they and they really pushed her, it was I don't know. I've got other people to do that. I've got too many other responsibilities. And it was just like when they got when they finally got the emails from her to her daughter to the president of uh, Egypt. I think some some other president immediately after the Libyan thing happened, she texted them. She emailed them and said, "Look, this wasn't this was an orchestrated attack by whatever the group was. We know it. That's what happened within hours." And then she, they came out and said, well, Madam Secretary, she goes, well, the next day the group came out and said, well, they admitted it that they did it. Then they came out a day later and said they didn't. And so she goes, so when they said they didn't, I had to change my, I had to change my thought process because they weren't admitting it. And they said, but five days later, when you absolutely knew, and here are the CIA documents that prove that you knew, it went to you, it went to the White House, you still projected, and she said, well, you know, you have to look at the totality of the situation. You have to understand that it was so volatile. We didn't want to make any mistakes. He said, well, you, and in fact, lied to the, to the members of this country, to your own daughter and everything else. Well, that's what we knew then. Things changed. And, and they said, and they kept 
trying to press it, and then their time was up, and then the, the Democratic would come back and say, well, Madam Secretary, you knew. Yes, you did. And as soon as you knew, you just kind of laid back and because you were trying to gauge what was going on, and it takes more than just a few days. Oh, yes, it does. It takes weeks and months. And in retrospect, there are some things we should have done differently. And I fully admit we should have done some things differently. But that really doesn't do any good for the moment. It's ongoing. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and of course, the media's going, there. Oh, oh, my God, what a brilliant answer. And that's what I'm saying. If you didn't watch it and you didn't hear how hard they pressed her and how she obfuscated and, and danced around, and then, like you said, her nonverbals were leaning on her hand, looking like she's totally bored, laughing, and... It was just, it was ridiculous, but there were some very interesting things that were brought up that people didn't know. Now, whether the general public cares about it, who knows? But don't, the media spin was, look at how her poll numbers jumped up like 3 or 4% right after that. Of course, Biden had announced, and Biden was polling 14, 15%. Yeah, yeah. so he, I mean, obviously you get some transfer from that, but Huge. I mean, how, how many people knew before, um, uh, was it Brooks brought up the, uh, in the in the committee, the SCCCA, the Secure Embassy Construction and, and uh, Counterterrorism Act, uh, f- which was uh, done after the 1998 bombing in mm-hmm. Nairobi, and um, and and that specifies that you cannot have a facility uh, without Great security. Point. That's right, and that all it can only be uh, a waiver must be signed and can only be signed by, by the, the Secretary, Secretary of State, State and may not be delegated under law. Okay. And so then her response to that is, well, it was really a temporary mission. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's like they're all looking like, what is a temporary mi- What are you – you're just making this up as you go along? That's exactly what she did. It's a temporary mission. And she goes, and really, you know, the CIA was there too. And, uh, of course, you know, the other issue is it doesn't matter if the CIA is there. It's, that's still part of the, uh, uh, of the uh, uh, SECCA that requires protection, and it's coordinated with the CIA. But uh, the State Department still coordinates that security. So, I mean, she's just lying, you know, flat out again. They catch her in the lie. They even get her to admit Yes. That she was responsible for the temporary mission, that it was under her responsibility, yep. and that it had no security. And, but this temporary mission. And then laughed at the fact, well, you know, other embassies were pulling out, so they had a fire sale. They said, how would you like to buy our barricades? How would you like? She said, so we did that. It was cheaper. It was less expensive. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, wow. well, that's what I want to tell my ambassador. Hey, hey, listen, if another embassy goes out, go ahead and get this security measure and buy this one from because they're going to sell it cheap we can get it for pennies on the dollar keep checking craigslist <laughs> hey for for a few moments can i uh, change topics mm-hmm. totally since we're on uh hillary clinton i'd like to talk about uh pigs and bacon just for a second all right all right um so the world health organization has come out now with a finding <clears throat> that um processed meat now falls into what's called a group one carcinogenic uh, which is uh, accompanied by tobacco smoking, um, the most dangerous variant of the HPV virus, and um, basically all these other things that, that like asbestos that lead to cancer. Mm-hmm. And red meat falls into group two, with, which is uh, where, where lead poisoning is on the scale. And by the way, barbecuing apparently 
and he's, he's pan frying and heating meat essentially in any form is is what what, the, what they think makes it even more carcinogenic. Yeah. But specifically, you know, they're focused on a lot of pork products, on on pork and and pigs and, um, and swine. Swine, yep. And you just wonder the coordination. You know, here's the study that they did. Right, this is kind of funny because all of these studies and Dr. Sean. Um, we need oh, to have he's him, been on the we, cutting edge. We need to have him on the show sometime to, to talk about this particular uh, study once he gets a look at it. But there were 22 scientists invited to the WHO, the World Health Organization's, um, um, their facility. And they reviewed 800 studies from U.S., Europe, Japan, and Australia. And it was – they were looking at metadata, all right? So they're looking at – Sort of the overall findings. What they're not doing is going back and looking at the actual construct of the studies. Were the studies conducted properly? Was the data gathering methodology appropriate? No. They they just took sort of the metadata from it and decided that there was a linkage between colorectal cancer, uh, c- cancer and also uh, prostate cancer and uh, pancreatic cancer, and with red meats and and bacon and you know processed meat essentially. Now, look, I get it. Processed meat that has junk in it, toxins in it, I agree. That, that's probably a reasonable thing. Uh, but red meat, really? Um, there are, and pork? And, and pork specifically. Uh, and bacon, by the way, bacon, which I don't consider bacon as processed meat like, like <laughs> other people do. Because uh, you can use, as we buy from Whole Foods, for example, all the time, um, you, the un, um, uncured, it's still cured with, but it's cured with celery salt. It's, it's right. cured with a natural nitrate mm-hmm. and, um, and made stable for, for sale. And I don't really consider that processed meat, you know. When I think processed meat, I think of... Vienna r- sausages r- in a can. Yeah, r- you know, ra- turkey, round, round chicken, uh, you know, chicken breasts do not come in round, uh, thin sliced patties. <laughs> um and it just it just annoys me because it's one of these things, and you see it just lit up on Facebook, and people were all talking about how you know, see, this is bad for you, and they don't see the slippery slope. You know, the World Health Organization is a highly political oh, organization, absolutely. and this it's kind of interesting that they're sort of drawing this thing about bacon specifically call, called out in, in the in the study. Hmm, it's a pork product. I, I wonder who's against pork products. That's yes. I wonder how many of them on the uh, uh-huh. on the uh, of the doctors were of uh, Middle Eastern descent, shall we say? Yeah, they were worldwide doctors. So <laughs> who knows? And and that's a great point because if you look at the WHO over the years, they have been a they have been a joke. Almost everything that they've come out against has eventually proven to be. And because you were talking about, they didn't research the. You know, they just saw this study and said, okay, this study is for, this study is against. And they didn't look at the real study. What, the thing about salt, the thing about saturated fats, yeah. totally bogus. Yeah. Totally bogus. They were, go- they, were, they were judging it off of a, of a study that was done in the early, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, the seven countries study. Yeah, yeah, that was just absolutely a joke. And everyone that looks at it today says, you know what, that's uh, – that that's that's just ridiculous, and, and and I think that's a great point that you brought brought up. And who's the number one producer of pork in the world? Uh, I wonder I, who that I would be. I believe it would be United States. Yeah, and who yeah. does the UN? And More the, than China. They eat a lot of pork in China, don't they? 
I don't know. There's. I don't know. I mean, they they may eat wild pork. I don't yeah. <laughs> you know what wild they served pork. on Air Force One the day after that report came out? What? Cheeseburgers. <laughs> well, there you go. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's, 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 that's good to know. But anyway, anytime <laughs> you're dealing with the World Health Organization and anytime you're dealing with the U.N., as far as being from the United States, you know you're in trouble because it just is never going to go your way. I mean, they just, you know, the rest of the, And that is why I have always been, and I have been for the last 10 years, I have been, why do we let the U.N. stay in this country? <laughs> we pay them. We're the only one that pays what we pay, first of all, to have them here. We cover their expenses. We, we treat them like royalty. They come in here. It's a gravy job. And yet, you know, we spend more money than any other country supporting them. We give them the facilities. We give them, you know, it's in New York City. Could you imagine what they could get, what Trump could get for that facility if he was able to sell it for real estate, you know, where the U.N. is? I mean, if you look at all the money we're paying and losing, and then every time we bring something to the U.N., they always shout us down or one other country says, well, that doesn't work for us, so there you go. The U.S. loses. And I just, you know, why don't we give it to Belgium? Belgium was brought up. I think it's a good idea for Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Give them something to do. I think yeah. Exactly. They got nothing else going on. And, and, you know, what's funny is all these places that had all these, you know, these strict gun regulations and everything else, now Germany and uh, other countries that are inundated with uh, refugees are now buying guns. They're making guns more accessible. People are getting more guns. They're buying them online. They're doing all these. And why do you think the public is doing that in these countries? Because <coughs> the refugees are not these quiet, docile folks. They're just coming there because they're afraid. They're coming there to set up their own country inside of a country. And so they're, they do what they want to do pretty much any way they want to do it and sit and scream and riot and protest and do everything else. And citizens around the world are now saying, wait a minute, we're not safe anymore. We're not safe anymore. And uh, one of the toughest gun regulations in all time was Israel. And now Israel is promoting the fact that they want their citizenry to go out and buy guns now. It's interesting that these people leave these war-torn and countries that are on fire, and yet they go someplace else and immediately want to change that country into what they left. And at some point, these countries have to stand up and say, you know what? We don't want it to be like it was where you came from. (laughs) There's a reason for that. So you either accept it the way we do things here or you go back. Somebody is going to have to come out and just say it. And they're going to have to say it as plainly as as it can possibly be said. We don't want what you're leaving. Right. You left it behind for a reason. Right. Uh, I I don't know. Um, Did you see the the, uh, uh, video that... It hit the news. It was all out there. One of these guys that uh, goes out and interviews people uh, asking about uh, the repeal of the Bill of Rights, by the way. So this guy goes out and he's asking people, he said, uh, do you support Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, primary um, intent that uh, to repeal the Bill of Rights? And, of course, they hear Hillary Clinton and all these idiots are out there saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we should repeal the Bill of Rights because things have changed and and it's, you know, it's uh, what the old men of the past uh, used to say is no longer valid. I mean, the old and, white men. And they're targeting, you know, they're targeting the Second Amendment. Of course. Uh, in, that, in that particular discussion. So, I, And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if more than a couple of them weren't also interested in certain issues with the First Amendment. Well, yeah. 
Although uh, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm, I'd like to revisit the First Amendment a little bit. <laughs> as, Any as, particular part? Um, ooh. What, what, what do we got there? Well, Lou's sitting down, so I always go, ooh, when Lou Aww. sits down. Dale is extremely excited. Hi, Dale. Uh-oh. Am I on? You're yeah, on. You're All on. right, you're, great. You're always on, Lou. Do we need a cutter? Uh, not uh, not I. I have a punch. Oh, one. this is exciting. This yes. is an exciting stick. Um, yes, it is. I had heard about this. I have not had one yet. I thought you may have had that before, Eric. Well, I I'm excited so. to share something new with you. Yeah. Yeah. Please. I uh, had lunch today with our illustrious Davidoff rep, Steve. Yeah. Chris. He's famous. He is indeed. Here, everyone knows Steve. Yeah. I guess he's otherwise known as Ringo. <laughs> Which kind of cracks me up. Does he look like Ringo? No. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's purely the accent. Yeah. Yeah. He is quite British. He is. And uh, we also have, I guess I need to light mine as well. We also had um, Johan, I don't, I can't say Sebastian his last Bach. name. No. <laughs> no. He's really? expired. But no. <laughs> no. Uh, Johan is uh, another bigwig with Davidoff. And then also Hanky Kellner. Of course, everybody is, that knows anything about Davidoff is familiar with that name. His son was also at our lunch today. So wow. figured in honor of spending some time oh, with yeah. those folks today, we would... It's interesting that you guys are spending time with them. Yes, isn't it? It's very interesting. So we're uh, going to smoke one of our new mm. Davidoff products, which is the Avo Nicaragua Synchro. It is... The cigar that brought me back to Avo is what I like to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, because I, I started smoking Avos in 90, 91, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got a chance actually to have dinner with Avo one night. Oh, uh, here he, we go. He played piano. Uh, we were up at the, um, uh, at the, I think we were at the City Club. Were we at the Queen Mary or and something no, like that? The City Club, downtown oh. L.A. And, um, <laughs> there we go. Was it there? Uh, I forget. Built? No, we were at the Biltmore. <laughs> well, um, so they all run, the ball room they all the run together yeah, after the, a while. Yeah, in so, his world, that's all the same thing. Okay, all right. So, anyway, just an enchanting guy, right? Uh, and I used to really like the cigars back then. Then I've all sort of went through a change, and and I, I you know, part of it may have been the purchase of da- from Davidoff and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and and you know that all sort of settles itself out. So I'm glad to see. A, that the brand has survived well, but B, that uh, now they're starting to release some new stuff that is hopefully back in, in uh, on the same par as those initial avos were. So I will take my first puff and we'll, well see. Let's see what you think. Oh, I, it's delicious. I absolutely love this cigar. And it's called Synchro to refer to, of course, synchronization, which... Avo, most all of the the yeah. Avo specialty lines some have some music. sort of reference to music, yeah, yeah. and this is making reference to the synchronization between Dominican and Nicaraguan tobacco and that that the, smoking this is, experience. This is really good, isn't it? Nice. And, and this this really does actually remind me of the Avo of of the past. And this, this is nice because it's a box press, which I've really uh, come in favor of the box press uh, cigar. And uh, that's nice. This is the first Avo to feature both the box press and Nicaraguan tobacco. So it uh, is a first in in that regard. And are they actually, um, are are they growing? Is it an Avo uh, plantation or or field? The the only Nicaraguan component to this is um, some some of the filler. So it's it's not in the wrapper. It's not in the binder. There is... 
uh, some tobacco from the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, the Ometepe uh, Island yeah. in Nicaragua is where they grow this leaf for for this cigar. <laughs> so I bonked myself in the nose with <laughs> the microphone here. Um, but the wrapper is Ecuadorian Connecticut, which when you look at it, to me, it looks much darker it's than a Connecticut yeah, wrapper. But really? So obviously That's not a shade-grown wrapper. Yeah. So Ecuadorian Connecticut, Dominican binder, and the filler uh, features three different regions uh, or three different types of leaf. You've got the Ometepe from Nicaragua, some Peruvian, and then also some Dominican. Uh, I believe it was an Olor and then one other Peruvian, really? Peruvian, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm, you don't I hear can't that a lot, say huh? that I've heard a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when, uh, when uh, what's the fellow from Kristoff? Uh, Glenn. Glenn uh, was, yeah, when he was talking about his uh, the Brazilian mm-hmm. Sumatra wrappers mm-hmm. or th- that they were using, or Sumatra leaf that they were using. People are getting very creative uh, yeah. with what they're hybridizing and where they're growing seed to get a, a completely different taste than it gives you somewhere yeah. else. Um, but it. This is a phenomenal cigar, isn't it? Really, really nice. What's the price point of this? Uh, this cigar, we're smoking the Robusto size. It comes in four sizes. There's a short Robusto, which is really teeny. Uh, this Robusto, a Toro, and then I believe they call it a special Toro. The one we're smoking is 10 and change. Okay. So great. great yeah. Really good price. That's uh, that's very approachable. I think, you know, pretty much on everyone's budget. Mm-hmm. And it's worthwhile to, to, get, to pick this up. I mean, it, it reminds me of, of sticks that we normally would pay over 24, um, easily high teens, uh, low mm-hmm. 20s. And we've had this discussion before that a lot of people, when they're getting involved in cigars, one of the first things you hear them say is, well, you know, I really have, because they're so expensive. Because they hear the 25 35 45 $150 cigars, and they think that's cigars. But there is such an amazing amount of really superb quality cigars ten dollars and under absolutely and and that's something that when you come in here a lot of the cigars in there are ten dollars and under yes you can the vast majority of cigars in that ten dollar price point and yeah all those this is not a particularly large cigar the experience of it oh is phenomenal now, I, I, I will say I'm surprised uh, this is something that Kevin really would like I mean he likes a milder c- cigar but even if you like a more full-bodied uh, cigar, it's still... Because it, it, it handles that. It's, I'd call it a light to medium, where it, it gives you a little peppery. It gives you just a little bit of... Just a trace. Yes. It's not not nearly just, because, just I, I, as you know, I like a mild cigar. There's and I think a lot of people... It yeah, it start, definitely starts out with some sweetness. Yeah. Well, I know everybody looks at me when that word is that's used, right. and, and I'm for obvious reasons. Not the way you think. <laughs> nope. Nope, that's not but it. It does start out with a little sweetness, and then you, it, it goes through all those other things you got to Well, it's complex little, for a short it, cigar. It's Some very, woodiness. very, very nice. But it's and the delicious. burn of it is about perfect. I, you know, I, I love a box press yeah. cigar. They, they, if they're rolled right, they will burn just impeccably. And the draw is really easy. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got some big events coming up. We have a lot of events coming up. Yep. We we kind of had a little bit of a drop in our event schedule there for a bit, and now we're getting geared up for the holidays. Um, our next big event is our My Father event on November 13th. That is going to be a great time. After that, we have Perdomo with the... Always enjoyable, Chris Harper. <laughs> oh, that yes. That is going to be on. You know what? I'm, I'm going to end up buying Perdomo cigars that night 
You don't just, have a choice. Because you don't have Chris. a choice. He's just awesome. He's No, he's terrible. He's, he's, awesome. he's terrible like that. He, <laughs> he makes you buy stuff and, you know, whatever. No, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. So that is going to be December the 3rd, which is a Thursday night event. Then after that, we have a huge event with Scott Weeks of Recluse. Close. And... We have really partnered with Scott, and we have pretty much everything the man sells. <laughs> or it seems that way, anyway, with the Amadeus uh, Connecticut, which was a phenomenal success for us when we brought it in last um, early spring. And then the Habano that was released for IPCPR this year and the Draconian. So you've got something for everyone. You've got a mild, a medium, and a fuller-bodied cigar. And, you know, this is something, Lou, that the holidays are coming up. Everybody's yeah. already thinking, you know, who do I get? What do I get for that cigar smoker that I know that I love? This is such a great place because a lot of people, if you don't smoke cigars, you don't know what they need, what they want, but you want to get them something for the for Christmas, for Hanukkah, for, you know, for the holidays. This is probably as good a place as you're going to find anywhere in the southeast to come in and ask for help. Absolutely. We're always happy to help. Uh, if, if you decide you want to leave it up to them, of course, we have gift cards available. So we can either help you choose some things for your loved one or they can come in and do it themselves. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, also speaking of holidays, our, we have scheduled our Christmas party as of yesterday. That is going to be on December the 17th, which is a also a Thursday. Um, so we are going to be doing that as a La Florida Dominicana event. Nice. First event with Sean, and if you've not met Sean Hardiman, you won't want to miss that. He is a show in and of himself. <laughs> so that is going to be our Christmas party. So we'd love for everyone to come out for that. And But this is such a great place. This is such a great place. I mean, the accessories, the humidors, the great selection of lighters, cutters i mean little sampler packs there tend yeah. to be like a lot of samplers from different different vendors and some stuff you guys mm -hmm. put together uh that are really great deals as well so it's an it's neat because if you want to give somebody a cigar it's kind of really cool i mean like padrone we had mm -hmm. some padrone um uh sets yep. th that you could buy that were very reasonably priced for padrone and uh, yes and you know you send that to somebody and it's pretty impressive the perdomo so. gift packs are just uh, through the roof we call them the tailgate packs because mm -hmm. there's still plenty of college football left <laughs> yeah, there is. so uh a lot of parties coming up and a lot of things and you know it's great to pick up one of those packs let's say you're going to a christmas party or you're going to a holiday party thanksgiving whatever pick up a nice pack of sticks you know nice perdomo or or nice padrone packs you know, five or six cigars, you can go to the party that night. You can offer your, your good friends some decent cigars, some really good quality cigars. Sit around and really enjoy the party outside because that's what you're going to be relegated to. But, <laughs> you, you know, outside and enjoy the parties. But if you come to Cutters, you will find, whether it's a single stick, we have the greatest selection of My Father's Cigars, which are fastly becoming one of the top lines in the world. We have all of those cigars because we are a My Father Lounge. I mean, well, you name the Fuente, you name it, we got it. And you come in here and check it out. And I guarantee you the help you will get, the prices, because there's going to be specials. There's always You've always got a table full of good buys over there. Mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, it's just 
regularly to check in. If you're just a regular cigar smoker, come in and check out. Always got specials. I mean, you guys always have something. There's that's always really something going on. And you also have pipe tobacco, right? Is it? We've got a handful of pipe tobacco. Absolutely. It's starting to become pipe weather. Yeah. Uh, now we, may, we admit. A little bit and we, we had to pull Russ kicking yeah, and screaming. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was going to lose world. my job over that. Yeah. <laughs> that was the threat. But uh, but I think so once far, he so tried good. it, once he tried it, he began to realize. And I've had several people already tell me. They said, well, I'm going to bring my pipe in because it's pipe smoking. i got to find my pipes. i got a bunch of pipes somewhere. That is something I'm going to do this winter. Yeah. I am going to buy a pipe, and I'm going to smoke. I'm going to smoke that. There I haven't smoked make it a pipe since college. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but no, Greek, you can't bring in those the little glass kind of pipes. Pipe. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if the pipe goes. Yeah, why not put water in the bottom no, of it? No, it's no a water required. <laughs> I mean, really, this is what we've relegated, this simple, innocuous thing as wonders of pipe smoking. We get into Greeks. Uh, yeah. well, what's, what's even sadder yes. is you know the bubbling sound that it makes. I, uh, not, I know. not because I do or, or, or did, have. But, you know, please. I did you not know. inhale. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway. But so. if you have not tried, if you have not. Now, i got to never. Not one time did I ever take a hit off a joint. I never did because it was just always against my beliefs. But you always used a pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but. I, I will share with you off the air the uh, story about my mom thinking I was smoking. She called the cops on me. Nice. Yeah. So I come home from school, and there's a police standard. Can we talk to you? Because a friend of mine who was smoking left his cigarette papers in my car. Oh, no. And so I picked him up, put him in my pocket because I was going to leave him in the car. Well, what, I threw him in the, in the wash, and my mother uh, fought him, and she called the, the police, and they said, well, that's the only thing they use that for is marijuana. Well, you better come and talk to my son. So <clears throat> I can honestly say, but you and I had a chance to smoke a hookah. Uh, where, well, I've had several times down there at Imperial Fez. You know, they had hookahs that you could have for the Moroccan experience. Mm-hmm. i got to tell you, when we were in DeKalb, Illinois, you could not smoke cigars. They didn't ha- did not have a lounge in that town where you could go in and smoke but they had hookah bars and we actually went in and smoked a hookah and we're watching this really weird series of halloween movies that they were showing there because it was at halloween and we actually shared a hookah and if you've never done it's kind of a neat experience if you go into a hookah bar and and try the different things it's 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 a unique experience it's It's a little little strange takes a little get used to but it's not it's not a bad experience no of course now the anti-smoking lobby is is has targeted hookah smoking as well which i think is kind of interesting they're saying it's like smoking 100 uh uh, cigarettes smoking hookah for one hour is like smoking 100 cigarettes now of course you know their campaign's called truth right (laughs) i'm sure that it's true Uh i'm sure that some of the climate uh climatologists probably gave them the information but anyway so we're here at cutter cigar emporium in alfreda georgia 5530 windward parkway suite 200 in Alpharetta, 770-640-0550. I am correct? so All impressed, right. Eric. Are you reading that off the screen, or I have you am, committed I'm that? Already, I've committed to memory, but I do have this <laughs> as, as a, a backup up. on the screen. Yes, indeed. I was so, waiting for my cue, uh, and it never no, came. No, no. But, Lou, awesome. as always, it was... Um, it's always a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you, Colonel. We're glad to have you back home. I well, missed you. yes, it's uh, only for a short time. I know this will get everybody all excited because I'm leaving next week for... Mexico Beach, and we're going to be doing a big event. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really wanted to be here for the My Fathers, but we're doing a... But when you understand what we're doing, and we can officially announce it, uh, November 14th, Panama City Beach, Florida. If you're not in the Atlanta area, 
if you're anywhere down south, you're thinking about spending some time down on the panhandle of Florida during that uh, during that time, come to PCB Cigars on Saturday, November the 14th from 11 to 5. We are teaming with dogtags.com, the VFW Post 15, 15 550 and the Women's Auxiliary, and the three of us are teaming up. And the whole day, all the profits from all the things that are raffled and are given away and are in the silent auction, 100% of the proceeds are going to help and assist homeless veterans and their families at Christmas. That's phenomenal. And Peter we, Peter Shaw was absolutely adamant that we do it there. He really wanted to get involved. We're calling it Cigars and Culinary for for those those poor folks. And, you know, in case you didn't realize it, right now it is averaging between 22 and 23 homeless veterans every day are committing suicide oh, because they feel like there's nothing left for them. And this is your chance to go down now. One of the silent auctions, a lady is bringing a vintage boat with three motors. <coughs> She's silent auctioning it. Really? Uh, and is this like a, uh, a Chris Craft? I mean, all the wooden ones. What yeah, the Chris, Chris Craft. Craft. Yeah, but she's she's donating it. Really? And and there's going to be all kinds. There's going to be uh, uh, Peter is digging into his treasure trove of special goodies. He's going to put out $2,500 worth of uh, collector cigars that he's going to raffle. Awesome. And so, what a great event. I mean, it's going to be great. If you can't be there, then this is obviously a My Father's event at Cutter Cigar. There's no other event. No one puts an event on like Cutter's. And when they go all out like they are for the My Father's, this will be a premier event. So if you can't be here and you're down in the Panama Suite, Destin, you know, anywhere, Port St. Joe area, Swing on by, but if not, then this is definitely the place to be. Or you can come here Friday night. It's just a five and a half hour yeah, drive. Go on come down on down and join us day. on Saturday. Eric and I will be there. Michael the Whip will be there. Um, we'll be broadcasting live from there and doing our cooking show. And we've got a couple of celebrity chefs already lined up to join us, and we're working on some more. It'll just be a great time, great fun. Um, but if you are in the Atlanta metro area or anywhere within 100 miles of here, it's a destination place to come from my father's, my father's event. It really, really is. And I trust me when I say this, we've been to some amazing events, but the my father events always knock them out yeah. of the park. Now, so. is this, uh, who's going to be here from my father? It's going to be Taven and um, Stefan. Oh, so they're, they're, they'll always make a fun, yes. a fun event of it. It's always a party <laughs> with those two. Yes, yeah, so. so with Stefan. He will remind you how good-looking he is. In case you didn't notice it right off the bat, he will tell you that he turned down James Bond roles several times. You know, but he does it all in good fun. He's one of those guys that's just a ton of fun to be around. And, you know, I can say a ton easier than most people can because I can relate to it a lot easier. But uh, it's going to be a great time. So uh, it's great to be home. It's great to... Uh, it's great to be back at Cutter Cigar Emporium, and uh, Luscious is always your participation in the show has been a, a wonderful addition, as it always Why, is. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy your synchro. Mm. What a great cigar! I love it. The Very sweetness good. has fallen away on mine. I, I oh, yeah. Have you yeah. gotten through that? Yep, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. So y'all enjoy those, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, Thanks you. What a great cigar. Yep. Very, very mellow. I mean, Avo, yeah, and see, the thing about it is it's mellow, but it's flavorful. I'm picking up some flavor profiles throughout the whole smoke, and it changes. It it delicately changes. It's not like this one and then this one. It just all kind of blends together, and that's all in the blending. And, of course, Avo, for years, 
and I know Eric, you're a more of a, mo- a medium to full-bodied cigar smoker. So, yeah. But for someone who's just starting out, this is a great, great starter stick. cigar. And, it, and it's it, by the way, it's very enjoyable for somebody who likes a medium to, to, mm-hmm. to full-bodied cigar. Um, as you as you get through it here, as we're getting towards the sort of the last three inches of it or so, it gets to be a little spicier and a little bit more full-bodied. Mm-hmm. So. And I've, I've found that typical to be of avos in the past, of the really good avos that I've liked, is that there's been change throughout the cigar. It doesn't stay the same from the point that you light it all the way through, which I like. I like that, that change um, to, challenge your pl- to challenge your palate a little bit, because if it's constantly the same thing on your palate at all times, you, know, you get used to it, and, and you, don't, you may not enjoy the cigar as much as if it, um, if it provides some change. So... Anyway, that was good. Uh, what a what a great choice by Lou, and and that's wonderful. I want to I want to come back to our uh, to the show here for yeah. a second, and um, there was uh, just uh, today. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a, a Twitter feed from uh, Sheriff David Clark. Are you familiar with him? Oh, what he's a sheriff great guy. in Wisconsin. Yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, he's up County. in Milwaukee. Milwaukee County. Yeah, and he puts out a tweet that says, "Before long." Black Lies Matter, L-I-E-S, will join forces with ISIS to bring down our legal constituted republic. You heard it here first. Let me tell you something about Sheriff Clark. You know what? He is the epitome of what's right with law enforcement. Right. He is now, he's a, for those of you who don't know Sheriff Clark, he's a black, he's a black officer. Um, he rose to the ranks. He's, he's just an exceptional guy, very eloquent. But when a cop goes wrong, he's the first one to say it. And he's a, but so many of these things that you hear, like what's happening in South Carolina, that's, that's still evolving. It's changing hourly with news reports as more videos come out as things happen. But this guy has always been a rock for law enforcement and for righteous law enforcement. And, you know, here's a guy who, who, who grew up in tough conditions, and he's the first one to say, look, we need to start looking at what the real problem is. And the real problem is, and the reason we have so many people in jail of color, is they are committing the crimes. He said, uh, you know, if you, if you really think that there's some conspiracy, then you have to think, and we had talked about this before, you have to think that the cop is wrong, the state's attorney is the wrong, victim. the judge is wrong, and that the victim's always right. And he said, "No, the victim is always wrong." Yeah, and and it's 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 refreshing to hear this guy. But you know, he gets as you would expect. He catches a lot of heat, oh, yeah. but he doesn't care. Right, right. I mean, he he back in July he uh, commented on the uh, the Chattanooga shooting mm-hmm. of the five uh, uh, Marines, uh, five uh, well, they were Navy and Marines, yeah, they were, but. Um, and his comment then was Obama's shoulder shrug on these brave soldiers massacred in Tennessee is because none of them look like Trevon Martin. If you remember when the yeah. Trevon Martin thing came out, he says, if I had a son who, you know, looked like, Trayvon. Looked like Trayvon. Right. As he was thieving and whatever. Anyway. But, uh, the, but the whole thing is, you know what? This is what's beautiful about Sheriff Clark. And this is where I'm more optimistic than the Greek. I know the Greek from the get-go has said that, the, you know, the American public is just brain dead there. You know, we've I'll lost call them, them stupid. I'll go that far. Yeah, you know that we've lost them. They just don't care. I think, and I'm, and maybe I'm, the person who always finds the silver lining in the dark cloud. 
I happen to think that this year more than ever, I am hearing people that were to the left of me, which is just about everybody, but a lot of people are saying we have really, we are in a troubled time. And I think instead of, instead of, we are galvanizing people more, I think, than anybody ever thought. There's a galvanizing that's going on out there amongst conservatives, amongst um, blue dog Democrats, amongst religious folk, amongst a lot of different people that before were all splintered. I think this year more than ever, this this presidential campaign, I really think, and, and, and what gave me hope was when Gallup dropped out of the polling business for the presidential campaign this year. You know, Gallup, of course, has always been the bellwether for, for polls. And they said, look, so many people have lied to us. So many people have misled us. We looked like idiots when we thought the Democrats were going to keep the House or keep the Senate. We looked like idiots when we thought the Democrats were going to pick up a few seats in the House because people were lying to us. And we just don't believe that we can run a legitimate poll that's honest anymore because people aren't telling us the truth on these polls. So that made me think that, you know what? There's a gal, there's, there's a, the pendulum is starting to swing back, I think. Now, whether there's enough to swing it back, I don't know. But I think this year we're going to see a lot of people a lot more upset. And how many people can you say right now that if, uh, that you know that, that said they voted for Obama before have said that they voted for Obama? No, Most of, no. Nobody. Nobody says I voted for Obama. Or if they do, if they are gutsy enough to admit that they did, they'll also say, you know what? We made a mistake. And I th- and I think there's enough. I, I, I wouldn't. Um, the the people that I know that have, have voted for Obama, I, I thought what you meant was how many people have I talked to, voted for Obama, that were friends of mine, and and I really don't have that many. But the ones I know that that did vote for him, have dug their heels in. I I don't find a lot of people having the the tremendous regrets. I I, I find people continuing to to justify the Obamacare laws. I. I think I think there's a mix. I think there's a lot of people. You know, once you go down that path, it's it's. I, you know, you the, the old p- thing used to be my country right or wrong. You know that this is more my candidate right or wrong, um, irrespective of what they do or what he does. They're never going to see the other side. Some tr- do. I think some do. You see a lot more people now supporting or having no problem with socialism than you did back in 2000, 2008. Well, that's the. St- that's the university class. That's the, yeah. the kids coming out of school that have been told. The numbers they survey are under people under 40, though. People under 40. Well, that's going to include college students and people newly out of college. But they're only interviewing people from the ages of 18 to, let's say, 23 that would be in college. And then if you go all the way up to maybe 25 that would be recently out of college, how do you explain that last 15 years between 30? But well, because the, the, the universities have been teaching this, the dribble. That's for right. The past so you're getting 15, the. Years. But those aren't really Students. college people anymore. Well, I mean, I'm, what I'm blaming it on is the university. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the for, attempt by university to. For, for a generation. Absolutely. For the last for the last generation, uh, the revisionist history, you know, uh, the history books have been changed. I mean, this has been going on for 20 years, so that's not hard to believe. Let, let me ask you guys a question. Okay. So big things happening tomorrow on Thursday, uh, which is the House the full House vote on Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Ryan and is he more of the same of Boehner or is he going to be different or, you know, what do you think? 
I think, he, by the way, I think he's better than uh, uh, what was the other guy who was the lead? McCarthy. McCarthy. Uh, but a few percentage points. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Uh, go ahead, Greek. I'll let you run with this one. I think uh, it's going to be more of the same. I, I what I was looking for in a new speaker was someone who uh, actually does his job in, insofar as represents the people of this country and is an advocate to stand up for them against the administration. And I don't think Paul Ryan is going to be that person. It's really sad that Tom Cotton was never yeah. brought forward. There's and, and here's something that's interesting. This is the thing that bothers me about uh, right now, Boehner and McConnell have met with the president to come up with this ridiculous budget for the next two years that they did in secret, okay, They've given the the uh, Congress and the Senate 48 hours to read it over as voluminous. And it's it's atrocious what they're trying to force through. This is Boehner's last swipe before he leaves office. Even even Ryan said this is totally wrong. OK, Mr. Potential Speaker, if this is as wrong as you say it is, then I want you to take the leadership mantle and I want you to stand up and say, no, wait a minute. This reminds me, this budget reminds me very scarily of what, how Obama got his, you know, his health, Obamacare passed through the late night, you know, too many pages. We had to vote on it. We, we did, they did a, they, they knew they were, they weren't going to get the vote because of Scott Brown. So they went ahead and did it as a, uh, as an addendum to a, to a budget bill. They, they used parliamentary tricks to get it passed. And even then, it barely passed. But it was in the wee hours of the night, and nobody really had a chance to read it. This budget guarantees that through 2017, basically, that we're not going to have to worry about negotiating the budget. But what? It, but the real ugliness of this thing is, is that they're going to go $80 billion more in debt. And they say, well, yeah, but see, what we're going to do is... We're going, to, we're going to take it from elsewhere. For every dollar that we go over, we're going to take it from elsewhere. Well, one of the biggest things is the military. The military has already been gutted way down there. And another addendum to this deal is for every dollar spent on the military that they add on, they have to add a dollar on to domestic spending. Hmm. And they gutted it, and this was, their, this was their plan. If we gut it, then we know we're going to have to spend more money. And guess what? We're going to match it dollar for dollar with domestic spending, which is going to take the numbers through the roof in the in the budget. And this is this is the ugliness of this budget deal. And this was all done in the past. The budget goes through the the, the proper channels. It goes through the the congressional committees and everything else. They hash it out. They come up with agreements. The general public gets to know they are trying to force through. Boehner and McConnell are trying to force through. And the president said, you know, this is a. This is a good budget that I can live with so that it gets him out. It gets him through 2017, so he'll be gone. And we're going to be stuck with all this more additional debt. And nobody's – and they said, well, what we're going to do is, you know, SSI is supposed to run out in, in 16. That's what the CBO has said. Look, the money's gone. So what they're going to do is they're going to take the money to SSI, and they're going to take it from Social Security. And they're going to move it from the Social Security – to the to the geezers of which I'm one, uh, you know, to the geezers, they're going to take it from their from their money, which is all IOUs, and they're going to shift it over to SSI because this administration has made SSI so easy to get now. Literally, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that before couldn't get SSI are now on it. For instance, let's say 
Eric, you can't sleep at night. You're having problems sleeping at night, which means the next day you're a little sluggish. You know what? You're eligible for SSI. Really? Yeah, that's how much they've dumbed it down. They've made it so easy to get SSI now that just about anybody with any kind of malady can say, oh, well, I can't, you know, my leg hurts. Well, all right, uh, you can't walk as much? No, and because I can't walk as much, I can't do my job as well. All right, well, SSI, and he's loaded up these SSI, and now they were hoping it was going to go bankrupt in 20. Now it's 16, so this budget is going to cover that by taking away from, listen, all you wealth, all you people on Social Security that have worked your whole life, paid in at the point of a gun, you're expecting to get your money. Now they're going to take it from there and give it to SSI. My God, man, all this stuff is going on, and we're sitting there going, gee, you know what? You know, at least got to go along to get along. You know, at least, the, and, and they're couching it as a bipartisan bill. But all of this goes completely under the radar or mm-hmm. if, if, even if it does register on the radar, those aren't issues that seem to really resonate with mainstream America. It's, it, it's just more of, of the same, that, that as long as your piece of the pie is not being affected, it's not something that, that they're going to really care about. And, and, and one of the problems I see with this country, if we're going to go forward and be successful in, turn, in, in, in writing this ship, is we have to, the people have to decide or, or come to the realization that business of, as usual up there cannot stand. And until we start electing, st- until we start throwing out more and more of these career politicians who are two sides of the same coin, I've been saying that for 25 years, yes. until we start throwing these people out and bringing in qualified outsiders to do their civic duty and, and, and go into Congress for 10 years and then leave or, or even just move on, get out of the House and move on, move up to the Senate or, or go back into the private sector. This is not going to change. This is how these people survive up there. That's it. They, they survive by getting along. They survive by these kind of deals. Everybody gets a little piece of the action for themselves. The deal gets passed. and They throw enough bones to their constituents to keep them in office. The, uh, the uh, speakers, the speaker and then the head of the Senate – the Senate Majority Leader makes sure they get their money. Let a li- so give, a, give a little bit to each so that everybody can claim victory. Mm-hmm. And all they do is kick the can down the road. Well, there's a gentleman. Do you remember the name Tom Coburn? Sure. He's a very famous senator, was very strong in leading on uh, the budget and everything else. And he's, had, he's working very strong with an organization that is, uh, that is uh, following the Fifth Amendment. And, or Article Five of the Constitution, and it's a it's a, uh, uh, a gathering of the states, getting the states to come together. And one of the things he said, and it was a great point. And I heard this on Mark Levin. I listened to him interview Tom Coburn. He goes, "Do you realize that when the Supreme Court was enacted, the average life expectancy of a Supreme Court uh, of a person back then was 52 years old? So by the time they could even be close to being nominated for a spot." They were 35, 40 years old for, uh, you know, to be a Supreme Court justice. So they weren't going to be there that long. So that's why they made it a lifelong. And so now it's 80. And so these these guys and gals are getting selected to the Supreme Court at 40 years, 45, 50 years old. They're going to be in there 30 years. And because they change with the wind, 
they're influenced much by by the the, the body politic or or their particular president whoever puts them in they don't get confirmed unless they're willing to play along that's right and so then they get in and they start bastardizing the constitution and you get and the ramifications of that are hideous but this uh it's called the uh what is it i'd have to go back and look at article five but it's a the uh the gathering of the states and he's going out state to state and he's getting these state legislatures and once he gets enough then they can literally because of article five they can go ahead and do things that the Congress and the Senate can't stop them from doing. And it's going back to the states and getting the states to get involved. And this can only be good. It cannot be bad because this goes back to what the founding fathers wanted. They wanted much less government control, central government control, and more in the states. One of the things he was looking at was we can shorten the terms of, we can actually put terms on Supreme Court justices, which I have been very for for a long, long time. And they can also shorten the term of the United States Senate. They can put term limits on congressmen. They can do things that these guys wouldn't do themselves, but these are the state legislatures that can pull this off. But that's a constitutional convention, though. Wouldn't yeah. it require... You have, to be, you have to be careful with a constitutional convention because you can wind up throwing the whole thing out. It, it's, it's, once, it's thrown, once it's opened up, as Mark Levin has described, and he's in favor of it, by the way. Right. But he also points out that once you throw it out or throw it open, you don't know what you're going to get to replace it. Right. But if we continue going the way we're going, it's done. It's well, done. Th- that's my point. Earlier, I'm, I'm absolutely in agreement with you. This, this system, the business as usual, is not going to survive. We are not going to survive as a country. And, and when you start to look at some of the threats now that are – that are not only we're facing abroad, but now within our own country, the discourse and the strife is only going to get worse and worse. And well, and this is where I think a constitution of states is a good idea. Yes, you run a risk, but I think the people, there's enough people out there that would get involved, the kinds of people that would get involved, would see some of the mistakes and correct them. That's what's so beautiful. When people rag on the constitution, it just befuddles me because there are so many safeguards in there. There's so many things that they've done to prevent certain things from happening. And I, I just think that it's, it, it, it's time has come. It's time for an adjustment. I mean, because right now, you can, I could not imagine they think this budget is going to get passed. They think this two-year budget plan is going to be passed. I'm looking gonna, at it, it right now. Ryan, Ryan doesn't seem to think that there's going to be a problem. It's going to pass. And yet he was the one that said, I think it's wrong. Okay, well, this is the, where the he big, Well, the biggest, look, the biggest problem with this it was the time frame. Mm-hmm. This is all done very, very quickly. I don't know that it's, that it's a wrong thing to do. I mean, it does uh, protect the military spending. There's a few things that are in it that are important uh, that had to happen. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it's not as disastrous as some say. The problem is the process has been messed up. The process wasn't there for proper review. But we learned a little bit about the about Obamacare, and we knew it was wrong just by the little bit that we knew. And the more it came to fruition, the more we realized we weren't even close to how wrong it was. And right. I think this is another example of that, is we're going to pass a budget uh, for the next two years. It's going to increase the debt by $80 billion. It's uh, Yes, it does throw a bone to the 
to the um you have to ask yourself if it's such a good deal then why exactly. wouldn't they be beside themselves trying to get the information out to people so that the people could say see we're really doing something for you we're really doing something for you instead they give you 48 hours to make a decision and you're absolutely right eric the it's the process that's killing right. it it's and the it's the uh, we'll uh, we'll know what it says after we vote on it the yeah. famous line from nancy pelosi well you know we don't know what's in it. We'll know after we pass it. <clears throat> and, well, real good. <laughs> well, this budget is the same way. I mean, they've only had less than 24 hours to look at it, and they're already coming up with some horrific things that are coming out of this thing. And yet there are enough Republicans. The Democrats, of course, are going to, you know, march in lockstep. It's what they do. And they're going to pass it, and there's going to be enough rhinos. They're going to say, well, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit in there for everybody. And they say, well, look, in uh, what it does is it takes a cap off the uh, sequestration, which is something that Obama has been trying to get rid of for ever since they put it in on him, where they forced how much you can spend and put limits on everything. It opens up the caps on the sequestration. But in 10 years, the sequestration cap comes back. Really? Mm-hmm. We can anticipate five Congresses from now what right. they're going to do. Right. Are you kidding me? And then the then the savings, they said, well, yeah, well, we're going to save a lot off the budget in 2020 and 2025. I don't know, folks. I mean, is that how you plan your budget? Well, you know what? I'll go ahead and spend all I want to put myself in untold debt. But it, if I do this in 10 years, it'll all work out. If well, we... it's kicking the can down the road. Exactly. Uh, and and when, we, when they talk about savings, people have to keep in mind what they mean by savings. Great point. When you and I think of savings, we think of spending less money. They 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 talk about savings in terms of not spending as much money as they could potentially spend. In other words, this one was locked in to get a 5% increase every year. You know what we're going to do? We're going to save a trillion dollars. How are we going to do that? We're only going to raise it 4% this year. See, look at how much money we spent. Wait a minute. You're not spending... It's going up 4%. You're still spending money you don't have. That's exactly right. And and this is where it may not affect you and I and a, a, a large majority of the people out there this year or next year. But I'll tell you what, if you care about your future generations, even the CBO said Social Security will be completely bankrupt by 2035. There will be no more Social Security. So all those people that are paying it figures, now? It figures. Yeah. Right, right about when I'm going to need it. Yeah. You, know? you know what you never hear people talking about anymore? What? At least up in Washington? A balanced budget amendment. <laughs> you, 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 honest to God, you never hear about that anymore. You know the other Look, thing you don't ever hear about anymore? Line item veto. Oh, yeah. Look, Obama got elected, and all of a sudden we thought we had a gold card or platinum card that we could spend as much money on. And uh, they, they have. And they're going crazy and spending everything they can. Uh to build this utopian society of debt that ultimately then has to cater to the government's wishes in order to be uh, socialist. Because it's going to be paid back by generations who aren't voting for them. Yeah. And <laughs> haven't even been born yet. Yeah. This is the thing that's sickening. And this, this is where tonight's debate, we need some candidates to step up and say, look, here's the hardcore facts, people, that nobody wants to talk about. It's over in 2035. For all you people that are paying in now, and are going to become eligible in 2035, guess what? You're going to pay it all in, and it ain't going to be there. So we need to start looking at things we can do now to cut and slash the budget. Now, gutting the military was a stupid thing to do. 
the military is the second largest expenditure outside of, and Coburn made well, a compelling that, but case. But that was, that was necessary in order to advance the agenda of this Look what I'm doing. It, well, no, I mean, this was a... This was a very calculated set of plans to basically um, chop us off at the knees, uh, make us less powerful as a mm-hmm. nation mm-hmm. in order to capitulate to, you know, kings and, and despots around the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, this is all, don't think this isn't all planned. And we're culminating now in, the, in this last year. year oh this is God. going to be the culmination of it. And uh, we, we just have to be able to survive it. And I, I mean that quite literally. Every uh, every day, it, it's another indication or another example of just how much this administration loathes the average American, so and the country in, as a whole. So, speaking of which, one of my last points is that you know, you know Hillary has now basically called and said she will get rid of the NRA if she's elected, and she she will, if at all possible, you know. Uh, she called them a greater threat than ISIS. Yeah. I mean, just uh, unbelievable. Now, so Michael the Whip Holst uh, sent us a um, message on the uh, What's Your Point Facebook page, which is, by the way, What's Your Point, if you want to search there and give us a message. Um, the uh, On uh, October 24th, there was a restaurant, an Indianapolis Cajun restaurant uh, called Papa Roo, and it was robbed for the first time ever. So, so now... The uh, the owner of it is now giving a discount for old concealed carry permit holders. Twenty five. Twenty five percent. They've come into his restaurant. Yeah, I mean, he said in his quote, he says, "I don't want Papa Roo to turn into the OK Corral, but I don't want to be an easy target either." Um, I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of cool. So they could use that uh, down in New Orleans, where these restaurants have been robbed in broad daylight. People, uh, they just walk in uh, and rob the people. I'll tell you what, New Orleans is just. I, I'm. Uh, it's so sad. So sad. I mean, I probably. I normally do uh, some staff meetings down there and whatnot, and I just don't know if I want to do it now. I mean, uh, last time I was there, uh, there was a a shooting literally half a block from me. I was uh, in a, uh, a little corner bar, uh, you know, uh, Gemini, and uh, it, right there at 2 o'clock in the morning, some guys I had passed that looked like they were up to no good, um, apparently one of them shot somebody. Know, half a block away from there, and they they shut the doors, and you know we sort of huddled into the in the in the bar there for a while. But I'm like, you know, this is the old New Orleans that sort of got washed away. We need. <laughs> well, you know, we talked about this when we came back from the IPCPR. You know, when after Katrina, before Katrina, there was a lot of homeless people, you know, laying around on the streets begging for money. The service people really didn't care. This was New Orleans. If you don't like it, someone else will come in and fill the spot. Katrina washed it all away. They started begging for people to come back. Please come back to New Orleans. And they bent over backwards to try to get people back. Well, they came back. And so what did they do? They start, They start. the city council starts just going right down. We want to change the Civil War memorials. We want to take away historic areas. We want to put cigar bans in. And now their latest is they want to increase the parking meters. Now, you know what parking's like in New Orleans. It's horrific. Yeah, right. Well, they not only want to make it a 24-hour meter now, yeah. they want to go up on the rates. Right. And who gets hurt the worst? A lot of the service people that work down there. Sure. Yeah, have you ever tried to park in the French Quarter, if you work in the French Quarter? Where do, they, where do you think those guys get to park? They Yeah. They you try to get every meter they can. Because they know after 10 o'clock it was, you know, they didn't have to worry about it. Now the city council, in their infinite wisdom, after forcing owners to basically give up their rights to a bar, it says, I want cigars in here. 
Now they're telling them, no, you can't have cigars in there. You can't have cigarettes in there. You can't have in there what you wanted to have. We're going to tell you what you can have. And on top of that, we're going to make the parking meters more expensive and 24 hours. And they're all patting themselves on the back saying, look what we're doing. And one of our one of our dear, dear friends, James, he, he wrote about it. And he said, they are killing the service industry. Now imagine if you're a server. What do you think the servers are going to start thinking? They're going to come in with an attitude. And then the attitude is going to be transformed. You can't help it if everything, every time you turn around, they're hitting them in the pocketbook, and you know it's 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 disgusting. But this is what happens when you get a government run amok that tries to play on certain issues that they think are going to get them their their votes, and they don't care. They don't care what it does. To, they don't look at the long term ramifications. They just ram it through. And there you go. And I think it's just, I really hate to see that happen in New Orleans, but I'm like you. You know, I've got some dear friends. We, we both, all of us have some dear friends down there, some mutual friends that we would love to go down and see. But you know what? It just isn't worth it anymore. Right. It really isn't. I mean, I'd love to see him, saw him invite him out to Camp Penguini. But as far as going and paying the outrageous rates, I mean, used to be able, you could go down the quarter, get a hotel room for a couple of nights. At any, on the weekend, stay Friday and Saturday night. No, 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 not anymore now. If you want to go down and there's any kind of event going on, it's three-night minimum if you want to stay. And they jack the rates up, yeah. and they stick it to you. And so all the things that they did to bring the people back, they're, they're, going turning, the, they're turning their back on them. They're turning the back on them. And I'll tell you what, I know of two organizations that aren't going back to New Orleans. Who's that? IPCPR said, you know what? After that cigar ban, that's enough is enough. We're not right. coming back. Good. And the um, PMA said really? the same thing they said that nah, new orleans is kind of well they're supposedly in two years they're going back there well maybe maybe that's going to change i don't know well the new the new administration is and the only reason that may happen is because some people from new orleans have gotten on the board now and uh, on the board of the pma but this is what i'm hearing my wife was saying you know the medical some of the medical groups are saying you know what it's just not any fun in new orleans anymore you know it's just yeah. not it's, it's too expensive it's not any fun anymore so where they think they're making their money now by sticking it to people, it's going to backfire on you. It's going to backfire on you. And then the next time you have a problem, ain't nobody going to be there to pick you up. Yeah. And it was the public that picked them up. The, but that city has a history of, of not really caring about anybody. The, 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 the corruption down there is rampant. Um, the, the, the city doesn't do anything to improve the, the conditions down there. And it, it's, it's, really, it's really sad because it's, I, in my opinion, it's one of the marquee cities in this country. It is. It should be. It, and it, it and it used to be. It was for a while. And now they're, they're letting it all slip away for all these stupid regulations and changing history and moving things around. I mean, well, there, was a, there was a story last week about the the French Quarter, well, the, the group that's in charge of overseeing French Quarter architecture and, mm-hmm. and how strict they have traditionally been with all all approvals have to go through them. Any type of modifications right. to buildings, and well, there's a story brewing down there about how several contractors have been able to pay off people, and they've gone down and torn down major structures in the quarter without any explanation, without any justification, and uh, it all goes comes back to the, the bribes and the payoffs. So they're they're literally destroying some the of history. America's great history, right? Uh, by by allowing this to happen. Well, you know, this is. My friends, the reason we bring this up to you is because you've got to know what's going on out there. It's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. One of the great things, if you don't belong to What's Your Point website, it's a great website just to go and look at the articles 
that we're putting out there because we're spending a lot of time researching those articles. We're putting them out there so you can see what's going on. Did you see, and Eric, you will love this, California students who do nothing now are guaranteed C grades. <laughs> Officials in a public school district, let's see here. Uh, I bring this up as our last little caveat here. Officials at a public school district about 50 miles north of San Francisco have found a new and exciting way to coddle kids. Under a new policy, students will be able to earn passing grades with scores of just 20% and a solid C for doing absolutely nothing at all. The, the lax taxpayer-funded Cotati Rohnert Park School District's new grading system is called the Equal Interval Scale, and uh, the grade scale deviates from the traditional well-established, let's see here, it keeps jumping around, uh, well-established A through F scale, which I'll tell you what, I could have been a Rhodes Scholar if I'd had this, this system right here. But they, um, A through F scale, by distributing grades in 20% increments from 0 to 100% and only giving grades of F for students with scores below 20%. Thus, students who receive a score of 80 will be awarded an A minus now as an 80. That was a low B. When, when, when yeah. I was in school, yeah. and in fact, any grade from 80 to 100 will either be an A or an A minus. By way of comparison, most students in America who score between 80 and 85 in a class are sent home with either B minus or a B. Right. Now they're going to be A students. And right. now at 20, you're still a D. 20%. Which, I, mean, I mean, my God, if that were the case, I would have been, God. I mean, I would have. They're, but, pr- they're prepping them for that free college they're going to be going to. Exactly. And yeah, this is what's happening. It's worthless as, as uh, the paper is written on. An accumulated percentage of then 41%. Then they'll have to get three doctorates. Okay. Which well, merits a well-deserved grade F across most of the country will now warrant a C- minus from this district. My God, man. This is what's happening. This isn't made-up stuff. Yeah. This is stuff that's out there, and if you stick on our website and you and you follow the articles that we spend so a lot of time just researching. to be clear, it's our Facebook site. Yes. So what's your point? What's your point on Facebook? Uh, oh, and Dan Price, the Seattle CEO who set the company minimum wage at seventy k, is now almost bankrupt. Yeah. That. So <laughs> that story has. We've got to be careful on this story because there's some. I actually went and looked uh, to try and validate that because mm-hmm. I had seen it uh, come up in the past, and then it turned out it wasn't really accurate. Well, this so, is in the Washington Times, which is well, a very credible source. I understand, but when I then when I when I peeled back the onion on that Washington Times site on that specific uh-huh. page, it may not be the legitimate Washington Times. Well, that's uh, an old story, site. though. It's an old story, and it turned out not to be true because actually their their revenues had almost doubled. Uh, at the time that that initially came out. Price says, now this is quoting him, it has cost him a few customers and a two of the most valued employees who quit. Um, he gave raises to people who have least skills, least equipped to do the job, and ones who are taking on the most get much of a bump. And, um, you know, his his brother is now considering suing him because his brother bought into the company as a minority owner. He bought into the company because it was making a lot of money. And now... By making these salaries so high on everybody that they're not making money, now it's costing him, and he's suing his brother. He was considering a lawsuit against his brother. So, you know, while, you know, it, it, it just, you got to be careful about this. This minimum wage of $15, all this stuff is really, really scary. So it's time, talking about scary, it's time for winners and losers this week. 
Chef Eric, since you weren't here last week, you get to start with the winner and loser. What, what am I hearing? Uh, uh, I think we're hearing Kevin's uh, mon computer uh, uh, over here who's okay. watching a video. Well, that's nice of him. Okay. <laughs> so win winners and losers. I'm going to say that Ben Carson is the winner. Uh, I think that uh, in Iowa, uh, coming up over Trump is, is big news. It's huge. I think it's a big uh, boost in the arm for him and for donors. I actually uh, donated myself, uh, I will be happy to say, uh, this last week. So um, I'm going to give it to Carson on, on that front. And uh, f I'm very happy to give you my loser. Um, it's actually Johnny Mansell. <laughs> who is now uh, going to be uh, investigated by the NFL for his little roadside incident, quote-unquote, with just, his they're finally gonna, yeah, A month after it happened, they're going to finally start looking into it. Yeah, yeah, which is... So Johnny Mansell's your loser. Yeah. I mean, Beautiful. He, he'll, he's kind of my permanent loser, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Greek? My loser is going to be NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, for refusing to turn over the documents in the study that the... Uh, House Committee on Science is looking at that disputes uh, this idea of a 15-year, uh, I guess you would say, slowdown on uh, greenhouse gases. Right. They they claim that there has been has not been any 15-year <laughs> slowdown, and of course many skeptics have disputed that. Well, they the 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 House has asked for the study and asked for the documents that supported the study, and Noah now refuses to give. <laughs> The documents and how much you want to bet for that 15-year study, all the emails have been erased. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when they finally get around yeah. to handing it over. And who's your winner? My winner is going to be Hillary Clinton. I think she had a good week, and I, I think the coronation, at least for the Democratic nomination, has begun. And I would not be surprised, even at his age, if Bernie Sanders doesn't wind up on that ticket. I, I, I think he could be their, her vice president. Hey, you know what? Great. Bring it on. Bring it on. Love I, that ticket. Yeah, let's Hillary and Bernie, perfect. Uh, because depending on the outcome, I'm either moving to Costa Rica, <laughs> or uh, or I'll stay here. My winner, Georgia Tech. Yeah. What a, a huge win for Georgia Tech over Florida State. The underdog comes back on a just like Michigan State came back on Michigan. It was basically the same thing. Yeah. A muffed a muffed kick, ran it back in. Florida State standing there like, oh, what's happening as a, as a guy's <laughs> running by him towards the end zone. Well, remember, these kids did go to Georgia Tech, and they're actually <laughs> They probably figured out the, the perfect angle. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the way they, they threw off some tackles on the way in, you could see where it was uh, very yeah, scientific. Yeah, yeah. That's my winner. And my loser, well, I was going to say Stone Mountain, but they've kind of tabled that for, for a while. They were going to put the Martin Luther King Liberty Bell on right. top of Stone Mountain. Right. And uh, that's been tabled for a while because, it, my friends, for those of you who don't know what Stone Mountain is, it is a memorial to the Confederacy that is a state assigned many, many years ago. And they wanted now to put the Martin Luther King bell on a, a bell on top of Stone Mountain, which is a carving in the side of, of, uh, of uh, the mountains. Big rock. Big rock, but they've carved... Uh, some horses and some. Uh, well, it's, it's uh, Jefferson Lee. Davis, yeah. Robert E. Lee, and is it uh, Stonewall Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and their three are carved on the side. Well, first they tried to get it completely blown Take off, down, yeah. but that wasn't going to happen. Right. And so now they want to put the Martin Luther King bell up on top, and that caused a big furor. But fortunately, calmer minds have 
have come about. And they're putting it on hold now, and they're going to take a look at it. So that's that's my uh, my loser of the week is the fact that they're even considering it. And there you have it, my friends. Another exciting delving into the world of sports, politics, and everything that will bring up conversation at your dinner table. We are. What's your point? Eric Holdo, Mark Fredo. I'm your fat but jovial host, Kevin Jenkins, and we look forward to seeing you next week. And we always like to remind, uh, say a prayer for our troops that are first responders because they are the people that uh, lay it on the line for ourselves every day. The price of freedom is never free. God bless you all. God bless America. And God willing, we'll talk to you next week.